Welcome to the next episode of I'll Show Myself Out, uh, the last episode, sadly, of the year. Um, yeah, there's no way I'm going to be able to make another one uh, before the end of the year. That would be impossible. So, uh, you know, I was, I'm was i just goddamn lucky this episode was able to come out before it the, the, the ball dropped. Um, so, like, you know, if you're looking for a show with a host who's got his shit together, uh, you got the wrong one. Uh, but obviously, if that's the case, you like some boring shows, and, and, and that's on you, you know? Um, I, I, got so, I got some great stuff in store for this episode. Um, I'll be rescuing some more jokes in my ongoing segment, the home for wayward jokes, oh, as always, doing my part for the less fortunate this time of year. Uh, can't leave those jokes out in the cold. If you're cold, they're cold. Bring them in. Speaking of that time of year, it's... Christmas again and, and New Year's and all that. Uh, my, my favorite time of year. Um, so in the in the spirit of Christmas, which is already passed um, because I recorded some of this before Christmas and after Christmas, you know, you know, once again, not having my shit together. If, if you're looking for me to have my shit together, you got the wrong show. So in the spirit of this time of year, um, I'll be sharing a very uh, Christmassy story from Christmas of last year that I think you'll really like. Um, so get some hot cocoa ready, prop up your feet by the fire for sort of my night before Christmas 2020 edition. Um, I've also got a brand new edition to my ongoing segment of, did you read that first? Um, I have been told that my Mitsubishi get fucked bit has really stuck with some people. Um, and I'm just pleased as fucking punch about that. Um, and who knows, I'll, I'll probably shoehorn in some other shit into this episode, uh, if I feel like it. It's about to be 2022, might as well put it all out there, because, I mean, it's anyone's guess where we're all gonna be this time next year. I will probably be revisiting that recording, um, ne- this time next year to see how we fared. Um, and I've also got a brand new segment for you that I'll pretty much just go ahead and get on into. This next segment is, um... Something I'm going to use for some of my crazier ideas, my conspiracy theories. Um, but also, um, gotta have a little bit of a platform to call out some, some dumb shit out there. So I hope you enjoy this new segment that I'm calling, Now That's What I Call a Conspiracy Theory. This new segment is my answer to the apparently ongoing trend of batshit crazy people with an internet connection. Uh, you know, the Alex Joneses, uh, the Kent Hovens, the Flat Earthers, the QAnoners. Y- you know what dumb shits I'm talking about. We all know a few. Um, well, this segment won't just be for calling them out on their dipshittery, because it's kind of bullshit to really give them more space. Like, why should I take, why should I take that much time out of my fucking show to repeat and talk about the shit that we all know is the stupidest shit on the globe. Um, I'm not going to play back their rants uh, or part of their interviews and shit, mostly because I, I, I lack the technical skills uh, and equipment for such a thing, but also because it's my fucking show and they don't deserve my airtime. But yeah, I'll occasionally call out these self-cocksuckers as I see fit. Um, real quick pause here. I want to take credit for the self-cocksuckers thing. I, when I wrote that out, you know, I've, I've been trying not to say the word cocksuckers anymore. I used to say it a lot, didn't really realize that it was, you know, kind of homophobic in, in nature. And so, you know, I'm not saying that anymore, but self-cocksucker, I think is different because it's their own cock their own they're sucking their own cock that's that's neither that's neither gay nor straight that's just a thing that you know 
I think I think that's a much better insult than cocksucker because of course you know cocksucker is very homophobic and self cocksucker you know it's not really homophobic you know what I mean so anyway I'll I'll continue um, but as I was saying I'll call them out as I see fit um, but out of general respect uh, just as a kind of disclaimer I I'm not gonna include religious stuff in this segment I will save my blasphemy for the other parts of my show. Um, I mean, it's just, it's kind of low hanging fruit, uh, to make fun of religion and God and compare it to alien conspiracy theory or mole men of the hollow earth shit. Uh, religion is completely different. I, you know, I may not believe in it, but I have way more respect for some religious people than I do any flat earther out there. Um, now if a flat earther, or some shit wants to bring God into it, then, then yeah, then I'll wade into those waters. Like, when the time is right. I just feel like a belief in a higher power can be extremely beneficial for some people. Um, but believing that the Earth is flat and that there's no Antarctica and gravity isn't real benefits no one. Um, if those ideas make you more comfortable and feel special, you have problems that m go way deeper than your your model of the earth so i will not include religions in my long list of these absolutely untrue uh, dumb shit ideas um, except for two of them uh scientology and, and and the mormons they can just go fuck right off uh the the rest i can tolerate for the most part southern baptists really like to toe that line with me but 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 i won't say uh, i won't say about them what i'm more than happy to say about the Mormons and the Scientologists. Um, I'm calling total bullshit on those two. Uh, most made-up, fake shit I've ever seen. If, if you're listening to this and you subscribe to any of that shit, for one, thank you for listening to my show. Like, I I really appreciate you listening. Seriously. Um, two, uh, I gotta say, I'm kind of surprised that you're listening in the first place. I'm not sure how I slipped under your radar, but, but here we are. Uh, I hope you continue listening to my show and become a huge fan, especially after this bit, because your beliefs are complete bullshit, all right? They were they were made up by lying humans and propagated by more lying humans for the purposes of money and control. Uh, they aren't religions, they're pyramid schemes, a scam. Your money is buying someone a lot of cocaine and whores, all right? Scientology should have been an easy one to see through. I mean, the first thing about it is it was created by a science fiction writer. And it even even reads like a science fiction movie plot. Fucking alien, uh, alien spirits and Lord Xenu and shit. I had a harder time wrapping my head around God and shit as I sat in church growing up. It took me a little while to see through that. It took some time. Scientology, right off the bat, I like I knew that's a load of shit. I, I I can't imagine anyone reading Dianetics and just going, "Oh, that that makes so much sense." Uh, here's all my money, and take out these these thetans you say exist. Nope, can't do it. Fucking shit. I mean, I mean, Scientology just it's it's like they took the collection plate and turned it into a pseudo therapeutic device that they say totally works. It. It really doesn't take much research or critical thinking to see that they're running a giant money printing scam. And and the Mormons, oh fucking A, the Mormons. Founded by a guy who was already known for tall tales and hunting for treasure with seer stones. So unsuccessful that he was taken to court for it. But this guy, Joseph Smith, claimed that an angel guided him out to a spot in a field where he dug up these golden plates with an unknown language on them, which he somehow translated using those seer stones again. And then he returned them and couldn't find them again. Okay, now imagine in your mind a scenario, like if somebody walked up to you and told you, hey, an angel showed me where to find these ancient tablets and I translated them into a new Bible. Well, you would probably ask, well, where, where are the tablets? I, I would like to see them. And then he would say, well, you can't. I put them back where I found them. Well, then you'd probably say, well, you should be able to find them. You've been out there like, what, four times already, at least? And 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 then if he said, no, I can't remember where they are, you'll, you'll just have to take my word for it. You'd probably say, get the fuck away from me. 
I mean, who the fuck goes, well, oh, that, that all checks out. I guess we're Mormons now, honey. This guy's, this guy's story sounds pretty rock solid to me, you know? All right, now, real, real quick disclaimer uh, and some great news. Uh, while writing this bit, uh, this whole bit, I decided to brush up on, on the story of Joseph Smith and the Golden Plates uh, and the actual details of the, the story and accounts are actually even more batshit crazy than I previously thought, uh, which would make really uh, for a perfect deep dive in the future. Uh, so my, my truncated version stays for now. Uh, it, it makes close to the same amount of sense as the, as the actual events, uh, which read like a Coen Brothers movie. I'm serious. Um, in, in fact, after reading through all of that, it, it kind of makes me laugh even harder uh, that people bought into that shit. Um, so, yeah, this segment uh, is going to be it's going to be interesting. I don't know, uh, but it's going to be my turn on the soapbox. Uh, sometimes uh, to call out the stupidity and sometimes it'll also be used for my own dipshittery. You say, you got some crazy theories? Well, I got some crazy theories too. And mine are actually based in logic. And yeah, some stupid shit too. Because I seriously, like, I'll give you an example. I seriously believe that Bic lighters are made from some, they're some very specific material and, and they're also in a very specific shape that somehow is incompatible with our current laws of physics. Uh, so much so that it allows it to break through the bounds of the dimension that we exist in and, and randomly slip into some void between time and space where all the lost Bic lighters go. Uh, somewhere beyond our universe, beyond our comprehension, exists a space with piles of lighters lost forever and every once in a while another one just falls into the pile uh, after slipping out of our dimension. Where the fuck else did the goddamn lighters go? Why is it always a Bic lighter that goes missing uh, in the only pocket it was ever put in? Ever notice that the cheap lighters hang around until they fucking die? The ones that give you the callus and they're so, because they're so fucking cheap? Like they don't even make cheap lighters as a knockoff Bic shape. They all have their own shape. But the Bic lighters, gone almost immediately. Take them out of the packaging, set them out of sight, and they're gone. Use it once, put it in your pocket or a safe space in one spot, come back later, fucking gone. That's some real mind-blowing shit right there, okay? I haven't worked out the math, because uh, I suck at math, uh, but, I, but I got a feeling, I got a feeling about this one. So I got another theory for you. Um, and this one comes after many years of study and observation, but I am now fairly confident um, that cats actually possess two brains. Um, the main one being located in the head, uh, and that takes care of all, the, all of the main cat processes, the eating, the drinking, the murderous glares, and the built-in reflex to want to shit in sand. Um, but the second brain is actually located at the tip of the cat's tail, and it actually acts as a navigation system to voluntarily or involuntarily guide the cat's tail into any open food or drink in the vicinity of the cat. Okay, it is such an efficient navigation system that a cat can dip its tail into your water and then seamlessly run it along the chicken nuggets that you're no longer paying attention to, all while maintaining an impressive amount of unflinching eye contact. I think I'm on to something here. I just lack the funding. You like Huey Lewis on the news? Uh, they're okay. Their early work was a little too new wave for my taste. But when sports came out in 83, I think they really came into their own, commercially and artistically. The whole album has a clear, crisp sound and a new sheen of consummate professionalism that really gives the songs a big boost. He's been compared to Elvis Costello, but I think Huey has a far more bitter, cynical sense of humor. Hey, Alberstram. Yes, Alan? Why are there copies of the style section on the place? Do you, do you have a dog? A little chow or something? <laughs> no, Alan. 
Is that a raincoat? Yes, it is. In 87, Huey released this for their most accomplished album. I think their undisputed masterpiece is Hip to Be Square. A song so catchy, most people probably don't listen to the lyrics. But they should, because it's not just about the pleasures of conformity and the importance of trends. It's also a personal statement about the band itself. Hey, Paul! So, first up this week on Did You Read That First is um, an, an interesting one, because I think it uh, it kind of defends me just a little bit here. Um, so, the new KFC commercials, um, and the thing is, is I've got Roku, uh, I don't do the cable thing, so we see the same ads a lot, giving me a lot of time to really, you know, come up with this shit, I guess. But um, the new KFC ads, I think, justify my point in even doing this, uh, this segment, um, uh, recurring, doing it again. Um, so for years, KFC has always, they've been using the, the finger licking good as their, uh, mo- motto slogan. I don't know, whatever their phrase, they say finger licking good. It's finger licking good. Um, and in all of those years, I mean, it's as long as I can remember as in all of those years, I, my, my, the dirty side of my brain never went off. Um, there was not one point, one of those commercials came on and they would go, it's finger licking good. And I went, (laughs) you know, I never, never did that. I'm not, I mean, it's not like I find dirty stuff in everything out there until, you know, they came up with their new slogan because now I guess they're focusing on how much faster they are. So now they've decided to switch it to it's finger licking quick. I got to draw the line there. I got to draw the line. How did somebody approve that for the commercial, for the national campaign? It's finger licking quick. Like, I mean, good God, Popeye's had Louisiana fast. Uh, It doesn't make any sense, but I mean, God damn, it's better than finger fucking quick, which is what I hear every time. Finger fucking quick. It's finger fucking quick. Um... I just, I hear it every time. I can't get past that. So I have to ruin that for you. If you ever see that commercial, now you will think it's finger fucking quick. I mean, it's just like, how did it get all the way down the decision line and not one person approving this stuff said, that's what she said. At least not, not one person was like, ha, that's what she said. It's like, nobody brought it up. Like I have to be the one to tell Everybody that your slogan now sounds like finger fucking quick. I mean, just sounds dirty finger licking quick. You see what I'm saying? You know, I don't think I'm that far off. So next on the segment, uh, I feel like I need to expand this segment just a little bit past the typical printed word or filmed advertisements. Cause I just, obviously I have a tendency to find this shit uh, everywhere. But you know, Maybe I'm too analytical. I can accept that. Maybe I'm too analytical and my mind is in the gutter. (laughs) And it totally is. All right. Uh, You know, I'm like, I'm like quick draw McGraw with a that's what she said joke. Okay. You don't, you don't fuck with those skills. I I got those skills. But sometimes it feels like it's not just me. Sometimes it feels like someone knew exactly what they were doing and they're fucking with me. That's what it feels like. It feels like they're fucking with me. Like, like in the last episode, the floppy nut brown hair doll, I can give them the benefit of the doubt that they somehow really came up with big nut brown hair and little nut brown hair and, and didn't think about the words, you know, nut brown and hair combined with their respective sizes as being seen in any dirty way. Maybe, maybe they thought that since it's a kid's book, no one would, no one would apply a dirty sense of humor to it. Maybe, or maybe They just thought that anthropomorphic rabbits are inherently bad at naming their offspring. Maybe they think that the Trix rabbit would name his kid little Trix rabbit or some shit like that. But, but to take that and make a toy named a floppy nut brown hair. 
No. No. I call bullshit. Uh, someone's fucking with me. Uh, and, 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 and they know it and they fucking know it. The words floppy nut brown hair would make even the most sheltered Baptist blush. Uh, I call bullshit. I call bullshit such and, and, and such bullshit seems to be the case on the pretty much new. I mean, I consider it new. It's new, uh, Mario golf super rush, uh, on the Nintendo switch. First off, uh, I do have to say I love the game. Uh, in terms of comparing it to the previous installments, uh, I like it more than the other ones, uh, like the like the GameCube version or even the Game Boy Advance version, which I played extensively. Uh, in, in many ways, it's much more forgiving than older versions, and it gives you way more control over your shots, which can also absolutely fuck your shit up if you don't know what you're doing. So in some ways, it's less forgiving. It just balances it out. Um... But uh, I can agree with some of the criticisms that, you know, at first it seemed like there wasn't enough content uh, in the initial release. Yeah, there definitely weren't enough courses upon its initial release to really justify the hype or the price tag uh, for that matter. But Nintendo finally got busy and after uh, dropping five new courses and a bunch of uh, new characters and a, and, a, and a lot of quality of life improvements to the online uh, parts of it, it, feel, it really feels like a, uh, a full game now. And they didn't charge me for it, which gets my seal of fucking approval and a big Mr. Krabs laugh. But this is not a critique of the game uh, that, that it, uh, you know, enough people seem to be content with saying that they were disappointed with Super Rush while providing very little substance as to what it was so disappointing about it. Um, oh, or maybe it's just that it's a, a new iteration of something from our childhood. So, of course, we aren't allowed to like it or say anything good about it. Uh, it seems like my generation is already prepared to shake their canes at new stuff while getting our back in my day voice ready. Um, so, but because that's that's beside the point. Uh, the one overarching thing I noticed was the amount of strangely kind of sexual overtones to it. And I'm not just looking too far into it. I'll, I will make my case here. All right. Um, at first, I, I totally thought. It's just me, all right? This It's just just my brain doing it, you know? I, I, I just, you know, they didn't mean for it to come across that way. But then I played more and more, and, and you know, I'm starting to call bullshit, okay? Some developer out there is laughing their ass off harder than the guy that slipped that penis tower into the background of the Little Mermaid cover. And, uh, yes, that is a very dated reference. And if you got that reference, uh, you're due for your next dose of ibuprofen. Go ahead and take that. I'll give you a second. So... Uh, first thing I noticed uh, was the clothing choices. Uh, some characters look like they're, you know, dressed for the course. Uh, Mario and Luigi got their, uh, got the polos. Everybody's got, most everybody's got some cool uh, golf gloves. Uh, Bowser uh, looks like fucking Guy Fieri. Um, you know, we got flames all over the place. Look like he's sending golf balls to Flavortown. Fuck yeah. But um, except Donkey Kong, um, who... I guess they just decided that uh, uh, he goes golfing fully nude with just a tie. Um, now, I, I mean, I know that's like his regular uh, outfit, but why doesn't he get some some piece of golf-related attire? He doesn't even have a set of gloves, a fully nude, just a tie. I mean, you couldn't give him a visor. Couldn't even, ha couldn't even have had a polo. Just, you know, he would have been going like Winnie the Pooh style, uh, like Diddy Kong or something. No, nude ape beating his chest and grunting like a madman all over the course. That's how they did him. Um, they now, and, and they, at the same time gave some characters, maybe a little too much golf attire. I mean, we did have the, we got the guy Fieri Bowser, but I mean, there's nothing wrong with that, but then there's Waluigi over here. Um, and while Waluigi looks like the best way I can figure to describe it is like a pimp slash train conductor. Okay. Like, if he wasn't already creepy enough, you know what I mean? Like he was already creepy enough with his child molester stash, uh, his freakish blue bags around his eyes. Like he just got done with a three day stakeout in his windowless van. How do I know he has a windowless van? <laughs> By looking at him. I mean, seriously, uh, go look at him and tell me I'm wrong. Fucking tell me I'm wrong. All right. But now he's got a suit that looks like he runs a prostitution ring out of an old folks home. Um, and then there's Wario in an outfit that suggests he's a former Texas oil baron that retired to Miami to help Waluigi run said prostitution ring and help, you know, keep old Gam Gam in line. 
Um, and, and according to the very pronounced bags around his eyes, uh, also, he's been accompanying Waluigi in his windowless van excursions. And now, on a side note, Wario would definitely be the, the muscle of that operation, of course. Uh, he, he looks th as though his diet has consisted of nothing but pork products since the late 80s. Uh, in fact, if you watch his regular standing animation, um, he, he kind of does this side-to-side -side sway thing that actually, you know, normally in his normal outfit, um, his, his, uh, his fat, bulging fucking belly, you know, very unhealthy-looking thing is usually completely smooth, but now... Since he's um, since he's in a I guess fucking form fitting polo, um, his his it this side to side sway he gets going on. It causes his bulbous gut to actually swish around independently from his very pronounced man tits, um, which may very well be the largest rack in the game. Uh, but it goes deeper than just some simple outfit choices, uh, especially when you play the standard uh, take turns uh, golf game mode. Uh, when you play that mode, you see, it allows you to fast forward uh, the animation uh, after you take your shot. And that's where it also gets, you know, there's the, somebody knew that when you do that, this is how it looks. And they let it go forward. Um, but uh, it come, when it gets to the celebrations, uh, right after you... You, you get the, the ball in the hole. Um, that's when it gets really odd. Okay. Uh, so Wario is definitely the most disturbing of all. Um, when you get a birdie with him, uh, the camera cuts directly in front of his fat, bug-eyed, creepy fucking face that takes up the whole screen. Very jarring. Whether you're in fast forward or not, very jarring. And and then he points his fist straight out in front of him and he goes, right on! And then he just humps the air in that position. Full eye contact. <laughs> it's it's a bit much. And I mean, you know, and especially when it's in fast forward, I mean, it's the kind of thing that'll make you like think twice the next time you're fucking like, you'd be like, oh shit, is that what they see? I mean, when you press fast forward uh, with that animation uh, that looks like he's vigorously humping the air with this ear to ear grin, you just uh, imagine a close up of Ron Jeremy uh, and he's doing that. That's really what it looks like, um, which which is bad enough. It's bad enough that Wario already looks like you can smell his weird mix of cheap clone and flop sweat without him assaulting you with his graphic air humping and unflinching eye contact. Uh, but the look on his face just adds a real horrifying element to the whole thing. Um, and then there's, and then there's Toad, uh, which on a side note, uh, this Toad in, in, in Super Rush actually an finally answers the question, is the mushroom on his head, uh, a hat, or is it part of his head? And uh, since in this he wears a hat on top of the mushroom, uh, it, it indicates that the mushroom is part of his body, uh, which opens up a lot more uh, uh, implications as to, you know, really what's inside. It really creates more questions than answers, but that's a whole nother uh, can of worms. Not going to open it now. Uh, so for Toad's celebration animation, uh, when you get a birdie, uh, he smiles real big and screams, yeah, uh, while he bounces on his ass like three or four times. Uh, I've watched it a, a lot and it is, it is clear that that ass has taken some major poundings. I mean, to get that kind of conditioning and he seems very proud of this. Uh, I mean, could this, could this go, uh, hand in hand with Wario's unwanted air raping or is Toad's well-worn ass the reason why everyone looks so happy? Uh, we may never know. Uh, and, and then it gets even weirder uh, when I played as Yoshi. So Yoshi also does play in the nude, but he's a reptile. Uh, reptiles aren't really known for their swinging junk, okay? Um, and and it's, it's suggestive with Donkey Kong, not as much with Yoshi. So uh, what's weird with Yoshi... Is, is his special shot. So for his special shot, there's a, you can, you can take the special shot and they do something cool and they hit the ball farther and it fucks other people up. It's kind of unfair. Uh, we won't get into that now, but for his special shot. Um, so he sticks his tongue out and, and he eats the ball pretty standard. And then he shits out an egg and then he hits that egg. Um, not sure how that transitions to a more powerful shot, but, uh, but I guess forcing a large egg out of your ass would probably give you quite a shot of adrenaline. Uh, I mean, the level of relief alone would probably be quite an experience. Um, I, I don't know, 
I wouldn't, I wouldn't know for sure. I've never shit a jumbo spotted egg out of my ass. But, but if you listen close, um, they put a sound effect in there, uh, for when the egg kind of like pops out of his possibly prolapsed anus, uh, that once you hear it, you, you can't quite unhear it. Um, it's a certain squishy pop that after you've noticed it, it's, it's impossible, uh, not to notice and, and, and gag sometimes, um, at it. Uh, you'll notice it every fucking time. Uh, but do you, do you realize that that means that it was somebody's job to find all the sounds for the characters and that they had to make a decision on what exact sound would be attached to Yoshi's egg shit? Uh, what if originally there was no sound and someone on the team was watching, uh, the game footage and was like, I feel like I should know the exact moment he shits that egg out. Can we find a sound effect for that? And and then some sound engineer had to rack their brain on finding the just exact right sound that embodies an egg being forced out of Yoshi's butthole. Um, and I pondered on that for a while until they did the first update and added Ninji. Now, um, I had never seen Ninji before, or at least uh, if I played a game that he was in, I never noticed uh, that he was in there. But they made him a playable character. And in their first, in that was in their first update, and he and he looks kind of like a like a tiny ninja, um, and he's got an all black clothes with a little face hole. Uh, luckily, they avoided making him look problematic. Good job, Nintendo. Um, but then it got mm, weird uh, when playing as him, because you see, when Ninji, when you get a par or better, he jumps up and down in celebration. Nothing wrong there. Uh, but the sound they gave him is this very questionable. Um, squish kind of sound um like almost a wet fart and leather pants kind of a sound like you could just imagine that um now i've never experienced a wet fart in leather pants or or heard one or even worn leather pants for that matter but you know when you hear the sound it's kind of hard not to go there not to think that that's probably what it would be like you know that's the most likely thing um but the sound itself when he jumps around um that would make zero sense if he were wearing ninja robes. It would make more sense if you heard that sound when he jumps around that he's wearing some kind of rubber suit, uh, which would explain a lot. I mean, his suit looks very reflective, indicating it's not cloth. Uh, and, and if he's uh, running around the golf course in the blazing hot sun in a rubber suit, that would definitely explain the mostly squishy sounds while he's jumping around, which is a really disgusting thought, especially on, uh, you know, the desert course. Um, but it also makes me think that if those aren't ninja robes per se, um, and, and it's a rubber suit um, with only an opening in the face, he's essentially like a gimp. Okay, uh, not sure who's Gimp, possibly Wario and Luigi's, but probably Mario and Luigi's if we're really thinking about it. You know, you know they're weird like that. Uh, but like, imagine imagine if the, if the rubber man dude from American Horror Story went out golfing in the hot sun. Now, with all that in mind, yeah, I could totally understand that sound effect um, with, with all that. Like, yeah, you'd probably hear that, the squish of that sweaty rubber suit all over the damn golf course. And, and I'm not even, I'm not even going to get into the smell that would just be immediately produced by that. But, uh, but the, but the putrid smell of someone in a rubber suit on a hot day is beside the point. With all this in mind, is it, is it really an accident? I mean, you mean to tell me that no one made any of these jokes or humorous musings during the production of that game. I mean, am I am I really overanalyzing like that much? Like like really? I don't know. But uh, let's change gears for a minute there and uh, um, get back to uh, one of my one of my favorite parts of this segment is uh, my over analysis of church marquees because of course that church marquee near my house doing it again all, always at it. Uh, this time uh, they uh, recently put up the message. Faith can move mountains. And uh, now, now of course, I get what they're going for. But my, my thing is, like, what's with all this moving mountains stuff? Like, I, I get that it's a metaphor, uh, but when did humans ever move a mountain from one place to another and went like, hey, we moved that there. Why? Who knows? But we believed we could. I don't, you know, the, the only thing that I know of that can actually move mountains is plate tectonics. Okay, now that, that I definitely have faith in. I mean, humanity 
kind of shaky. Uh, the whole whole God thing, got some doubts. Plate tectonics, no doubts. Totally real. Uh, yeah, there's there's lots of evidence that you can uh, and, and it's, you can see, and uh, and that's really the most important thing. You can see it. Um, so so if their sign is trying to say that they believe in plate tectonics. I'm all I'm actually all cool with that. Like that's that's pretty good. I love it. You know, even even if they're saying that it's God doing the moving of said mountains using the fracturing, shearing and subduction processes of plate tectonics and also that it takes millions of years for those processes to work and that thereby the earth is millions of years old. I mean, if that's their message, then I'm all for that. I guess that's pretty great. Like yeah, that's pretty progressive for a Southern Baptist church. I mean, maybe they've maybe they've come a long way. Who knows? You know, good good for them. Uh, if you know, accepting some science for once. <laughs> ah, shit. Uh, look at me living in a fantasy world. You know, I I guess I see how it happens getting caught up in a fantasy world like that. Hmm. Next up is a heartwarming story that I call. The Night Before Christmas, 2020 edition. I hope you enjoy. Twas the night before Christmas in the year 2020. A weird-ass year with lockdowns and hand sanitizer aplenty. In an attempt at normality, the decorations were hung all through the house. And and I'm not rhyming this whole goddamn story. And if you want me to, you can get the fuck out. Um, So, we had gotten our daughter to bed. And uh, we had killed enough time and alcohol that we were pretty sure she was asleep. Pretty sure. Uh, Now, for parents out there, you know what time that is. It's time to get to work and make that Christmas magic happen. Showtime! So the big item for this particular year, well, uh, Santa was bringing our little girl a new bike. And, you know, it's a truly proud moment for any parent. So I had kept the bike covered up uh, in the back of my van for a couple of weeks beforehand, um, but I couldn't wait until the time was right to bring it out and place it under that tree. Mm, I I really couldn't wait. Well, that time had come because it was close to one in the morning at this point, and I was at a very confident level of buzzed. Um, So I excitedly got my coat and uh, went to the uh, back door because, well, it's farther away from our daughter's room and and it might be, you know, I'm less likely to wake her up if I go out the back door. Uh, Well, you see, I couldn't use that door because, well, 2020 had more fun stuff in store for us all that night. Yes, we got blessed with a magical Christmas Eve snow that had already dropped a few inches and was definitely picking up. So uh, I found that out because the back door opens to the outside and now I can't open the door because of all the snow. So I'm going to have to use that front door. Uh, Noisier and riskier, but my only option now. So I get outside as stealthily as possible and I get to my van so excited about the bike and and, and watching her face light up when she sees what what Santa brought. I, I was just filled with Christmas spirit. And then... Well, that went away pretty quickly when I realized the driver's door uh, was frozen fucking shut. Uh, Now, I really can't stress enough how fucking cold it was out there. Uh, It was so cold that I would have bought plane tickets to Cancun if I had been a U.S. senator. Um, You know, jokes aside, though, this fucking door won't open. Now, I have to get that door open so that I can unlock the rest of the doors. Uh, So I started running ideas through my head on what I'm going to do next. How do I open this door without damaging the door and in the shortest amount of time so I don't freeze out here? So I decide to give the door another try before maybe boiling some water or something, even though the voice of reason in my head knows I'm going to fuck something up if I do that. Um, uh, Hell, it could could even result in a trip to the emergency room. Uh, So you definitely don't want that. So... I pull on the door till I finally feel something give and the door just rips open. Finally, one problem solved. That's what I'm fucking talking about. I don't even care if I fucked up the seal around that door. I'm going to get this fucking bike out. So with a fresh shot of hope and the last of my buzz still with me, I unlock the doors. Now, you see, the van has two sliding doors, one on each side, and I just need to get one open. And this bike is ready for a, to get to have a bow on it. Um, now my confidence in the statistics of one of these should open quickly faded, 
uh, as I found that the sliding doors were even more frozen shut uh, than the driver's door. Uh, you see, right before the snow had started, it had been all rain that day. Uh, so there was ice on fucking everything. Once again, I will reiterate, cold as shit, okay? So there I am, trudging around the car, just one wrong step from breaking my neck. Uh, the snow is now getting progressively worse, and, and I've only got the driver's door open. All the other door handles uh, are at their breaking point against the ice, and the doors aren't budging. So... So I started up the van. I, I, I turned the heat on full blast and I went inside. I had to, had to regroup. I get back inside, uh, thaw out for a little bit, and I tell my wife about our little predicament. Like, all the fucking doors are frozen goddamn shut. I don't know what the fuck to do. It's, it's cold as goddamn fuck out there. The snow is piling up and all the doors are fucking glued goddamn shut. We contemplated on what to do a little while while the van hopefully warmed up enough uh, just to get one door open. Uh, I'd be lying if I said I had any other decent ideas. Um, I was, in fact, I was kind of banking on it. So I waited about a half an hour. And it's now getting close to 2 a.m. Uh, my buzz got frozen out of me a while ago. Uh, so I bundle up a little more. Uh, my wife wishes me luck before I head out into the winter wonderland the song's been singing about all month. Uh, seems like they left this fucking bit out, I guess, because uh, it was not a holly jolly time out there. Um, inside the van, uh, it was now marginally more warm than before. Okay, still the doors not budging. Um, first, so first I tried getting it through the driver's door. Uh, the steering wheel was definitely getting in the way. Couldn't get the bike more than about halfway out. So put it back in there you know, regrouped, uh, which really was just me trudging around the van, uh, just randomly pulling on the doors uh, with the warm hand that wasn't on my nutsack. Uh, the big gloves weren't helping my grip, uh, so they were fairly useless. And the cold was has already gotten through the lighter gloves, so I'm walking in circles around the van, uh, thawing my hands in my pants while loudly whispering a steady stream of obscenities. Um, finally, I feel a slight budge from the front passenger door. Finally, some hope. I'm not sure how it really helped, uh, but it felt a little better, um, like I had made some progress. So I thought, okay, I've got I've got some openings to work with. Maybe I can get it out of the passenger side now that you know I don't have a steering wheel in the way. Uh, and I tried tried my damnedest uh, to make that work to, to no avail. Uh, after a few minutes of trying, I was left with the front half of the bike jutting out of the car uh, because this bike has the fucking wheel pegs on it. And I can either have the front wheel or the back wheel jutting out of the car door. Um, but it, it became clear that the bike wasn't going to be coming out of that door at all. The physics just would not work. Um, so so my, my cursing was becoming more and more audible as, as nothing was fucking working. I, I couldn't feel my face or, or my fingers and only one half of the bike could be out of the car at one time, no matter what the combination of seats, up, forward, down, all of them. I tried all. It's not fucking working. It's not fucking working. So I knew that I needed to take a break um, for my physical and mental well-being, but... I also uh, needed to take a break so that my cursing didn't wake up our daughter, or half the neighborhood for that matter, because um, my rage was building, and and I and I didn't want my kid uh, waking up expecting the light sound of sleigh bells on the air, or maybe a light ho ho ho, only to hear fucking shit, fucking piece of shit, fuck you, bite, fuck you in the fucking ass, you stupid piece of shit, I'm going to fucking saw you and cut you into tiny pieces, you fucking asshole, fuck. And you know, in hindsight, I realize that, logically speaking, Santa actually probably does curse like a sailor. Like a drunken elf sailor. Because there's no goddamn way he does this job without booze and cursing. Because once he lugs that fucking bag out of that sleigh, and you know that bag doesn't always fit down the chimney, what, is, what does he get greeted with? Milk and cookies. Again. I mean, I don't know what the angriest you've ever been was, but imagine you were there, and I'm willing to bet that milk and cookies didn't really bring much relief. You know, leave Santa some fucking booze. Goddamn bacon and booze. He has had zero protein all night, just sugar and milk, and you'd be fucking pissed too. Like, bacon and booze, people. But I digress. Um, so I 
I shoved the portion of the bike that was outside the car back in and trudged back to the house, uh, defeated again. Uh, round two is now over. Bike two, me, zero. It was also then that, uh, that I realized that time is running short. Not only is it getting towards 3 a.m. Um, with, with close to about five inches on the ground, uh, but every trip that I'm taking up and down the stairs, I'm running out of footing uh, on the stairs. Um, because everywhere that I've previously stepped uh, has compacted and frozen over, slick as fuck, further increasing the chances of a Christmas morning concussion and uh, the subsequent emergency room visit. Um, so, so I go in my house, and I mean, I'm at my lowest point here. Uh, I'm already contemplating backup ideas, uh, how, how to cover up for this, this failure on Christmas Day. Um, maybe, maybe I'll leave a letter out from Santa. Uh, ho, ho, ho! I also got you another present. The, the snow was so bad I couldn't get it through the door, so I shoved it in the back of your dad's van and covered it up with a blanket. Ho, ho, ho! Uh, like, I mean, what else do I do? Maybe, maybe I leave it uncovered uh, in, in the back and then uh, on our way out on Christmas Day, just be like, oh, wow, honey, it looks like Santa brought you a bike that he haphazardly tossed in the back of my van. Uh, too bad he froze the doors shut, probably so the hobos wouldn't get to it. Uh, I guess you'll get to see it in a few weeks. And then, and I thought either way, you know, either of those ways that I do it, she's going to go back to school and tell her friends that Santa brought her a bike Threw it in her dad's van. I mean, any scenario involving Santa and a van just sounds just real trailer parky. I don't know. No. No. Santa doesn't just give up. Santa figures out a way forward. Santa finds a, a, a way. I know what Santa would do. Santa is going to get up. Santa's gonna take this shot of whiskey and he's gonna get that fucking bike tonight. Santa's gonna deliver. So I got up, I got my wife, and I said, I got a plan. You're short. You can crawl in the back seat with the bike. And then she got mad at me for the short thing. But then I said, you get in the back and and, and then push against the door from the inside and then I'll pull from the outside. And this will work. It has to work. A few minutes later, as we turned out the last lights in the house, the quiet of a snowy winter's night finally set in all over the house, and uh, Ma, not in her kerchief, uh, because what the fuck is a kerchief, and I, not in my cap, because who the fuck sleeps with a hat on? Seriously. But as we finally settled in for a long, what was going to be four-hour nap at this point, we breathed a sigh of relief because for once in that crazy ass year filled with circumstances outside of our control uh, for at least that moment all was right with the world and I tell you I've never slept better than I did that night I, di I didn't care about how tired I was going to be or whether or not we would be snowed in or if the snow was going to knock out the power all that all that worry among the countless worries of 2020 all melted away for a brief time knowing that we could rest easy with that bike in front of that tree try as it might 2020 couldn't take away our christmas from us neither virus nor snow nor frozen doors could stop santa from delivering some magic on Christmas morning when the look on our daughter's face would make it all so worthwhile. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that story, and, and the rest of this episode for that matter. Uh, thank you, as always, for joining me. And I guess I want to end this episode out with a few thoughts to, to take with you into the new year to come. Um, it's crazy to think that, that we're here again. Um, another year come and gone another roller coaster of a year wasn't wasn't really expecting to end the year hearing donald trump 
arguing with conservative pundits in defense of vaccines? I mean, kind of a nice Christmas present, really, because I know some people who are having a really hard time with that one. Um, but to me, this year was eye-opening because, you know, it was just it was just such a stark contrast between 2021 and 2022. You know, 2020 moved at a snail's pace, um, and 2021 was closer to a regular year, you know, activity-wise. I, I forgot how fast a regular year went by, um, and that's a little scary, you know? But I was watching the show the other night, and before it started, that old warning came up, this program is for mature audiences only, and I thought about it for a minute, and my question is, do they mean that in a literal sense or in a societal sense? I mean, because in a societal, you know, like a social sense, I am far from mature. I mean, if, if you're hearing this, you just heard me go on for way too long about the sexual habits of video game characters and, uh, and other very immature observations. Uh, I can hardly call myself mature in that sense. Um, but what about the literal sense? Well, if, if we look at a hundred years old as being the, you know, the general human lifespan, well, I'm only, I'm only 32, essentially I'm only 30% through by now and 30% in the sense of most anything really isn't that much, you know, like, especially with the advancements in medicine, you know, I might be even, I might be even less done with, with my time here. I mean, f fuck, I've got a long way to go thinking about it that way, you know, and and I, and I like that thought. I really do. But but it's also important to remember that now that the millennium has turned a whole drinking age, um, for those of us born in a year starting with a one, for the rest of our natural lives, it just got way easier for the bartenders to card us because they just got to look out for that one. Well... I think I'm out of here after that heartwarming thought. Happy New Year, everyone. Uh, let's let's see what crazy shit 2022's got in store for us, and, and let's make the most of it. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you to uh, my, my, my producer, Mr. Alfred Payne, always coming in clutch like that. Um, and thank you to everybody listening. Um, thank you to all of my fans who, uh, who have me at the top of your Spotify podcast list. You know who you are. And thank you for not listening to many other podcasts that I can be right there. I really do thank you. So uh, with that, I'm Colin, and I'll show myself out.